welcome to the Dogs and Deadlifts Building Better Dogs and People podcast. Join your host, Daniel Rose, as we discuss everything canine and human strength and conditioning. We talk to experts, hear from people in the know, and just talk the latest on strength and conditioning for both people and their pups. We are about building better dogs and people. So welcome back to the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. Uh, today we have a special Aussie guest for you guys, um, Pete Tarling from uh, ARC Remote Coaching, who is an Aussie-based strength and conditioning coach who specialises in remote uh, strength and conditioning coaching, of course. Welcome, Pete. Thank you very much, mate. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to talk training and dogs, you know, two out of my three or four favourite things in the world. Had a, if we add a bit of coffee in there, mate, um, you know, <laughs> we'll, uh, they're my three, <laughs> my three, three big things. <laughs> today like throw a coffee in and uh, hey we're, we're almost there that's pretty much yeah. awesome mate so um before we sort of get into bits and pieces um first of all tell us uh, a little about uh, your dogs actually first up yeah so i have uh, two alaskan malamutes uh i have a boy his name's fenrir uh it's named after the wolf that uh, kills odin during ragnarok <laughs> Uh, He is uh, six, uh, going on seven. He'll be turning seven soon. And the girl's also a Malamute. Um, Well, she's supposed to be a Malamute, but I have suspicions that she might actually be um, cut with a little bit of Samoid. Uh, Luna, and she's she's white. She's got like a sort of like a red tinge in her coat. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said that um, if if she was a Samoid, they'd call that colour biscuit, I think. Um, I've never heard of that. She's white, there's like a slight red tinge where Fenrir is black and white. Uh, and Luna's named Luna after the moon because she's white. Basically. <laughs> and did you have him, have you raised him since puppies? Uh, yeah, so I uh, got Fenrir as a puppy. He's actually from Townsville in North mm-hmm. Queensland, uh, where you and I met. Uh, um, so he's a, he's a North Queensland local, is where he was born. Uh, Luna came down from a breeder down south. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it was in New South Wales. Uh, but got them both as pups, um, yep. about a year apart. So, but yeah, Fenrir is about to turn seven. Luna's just turned six um, last month, or September now. So yep. two months ago, sorry. Um, yeah, and had them for pretty much seven and six years almost. Mm. And, of course, they pop up on uh, Instagram and uh, uh, Facebook as well, for sure. <laughs> so we love uh, that. They do. Uh, I'm thinking about making their own account. I think it'd be <laughs> popular than my Instagram account and my business account because uh, every time I put them on a photo or video, you get all the likes and comments. Sure. And like, oh, no, your, your likes and comments <laughs> go through the roof, don't they? <laughs> yeah. We'll start throwing uh, you some dogs and deadlifts merchandise. Happily <laughs> wear it. You know, I love it. Cool, cool. Awesome, mate. So um, let's, uh, let's, you know, I suppose before we get into it as well, uh, just talk a little bit. Obviously, we've known each other for probably a few years now, I suppose, you know, um, and, uh, you know, tell, if you want to tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your background uh, and how you, you know, got into the strength and conditioning world. I think our paths are very similar to a degree, but, um, you know, fire away. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it all actually starts from uh, my main occupation, which is um, I'm in the military and uh, coming up to 20 years, almost 18 years now uh, of full-time service. 
um, including two deployments to Afghanistan, which I'm pretty proud of. But um, I was in my 20s uh, in the army, been in the army at that stage is like, I think I was 21 or 22. Um, so about for about three or four years. And I was in Malaysia for like a three month uh, large exercise, international exercise. And it's called um, Rockle Company Butterworth. And uh, I tore my anterior cruciate ligament of my right knee playing soccer um, right at the end of this um, large exercise, a sort of like exercise, international sort of engagement kind of thing. And that was sort of the stimulus that got me into or the catalyst that got me interested in training. Even though I was in the military and we did physical training or PTs, we like to call it every day. A lot of it was really um, sort of circuit based, a lot of running, um, not for any real objective outcome, except that's just what we thought as people in the army like to <laughs> almost 20 years ago what, what, what being fit and healthy was pardon me um yeah. uh, but you know um, after talking about acl uh had a knee uh, reconstruction which is a hamstring tendon graft so they sliced a bit of the hamstring tendon uh from the same leg and put that into my knee as um, a new anterior cruciate ligament, a new ACL. And then over 12 months had like a, a pretty arduous physical rehabilitation uh, program. During that time, I, um, I had to do like a whole bunch of sort of like training to return back to full sort of like normal exercise and work. And uh, the PTI or physical training instructors we have in the Australian Army, um, the sergeant, nice guy, gave me like a, a sort of bodybuilding program as a rest of body program to do upper body. So not my lower body. So while my knee was busted and I was learning how to walk and run again, um, I, was, I started pumping weights and that was really the, uh, the sort of big turning point that got me really interested in training. And it started out as being pretty selfish in all honesty. I um, did my cert three and four in fitness, uh, you know, re returned to like full service, deployed to Afghanistan, like right at the back end of it. So it was like a big win, but I became a personal trainer. Um, because I wanted to be able to write my own programs and didn't want to have to rely on someone else and felt the challenge of being in the military, moving around, being posted, going on exercise. It was pretty tough to find a gym or a coach that I could do. I just went, I'll just coach myself. Um, and then over time realized that uh, I was being a, probably a little bit selfish <laughs> and that I could probably help other people in a similar circumstance. And then um, over time got interested in strength sports. So powerlifting and weightlifting, and uh, interested in both still, but now I'm at the point of I um, train and compete and coach really in weightlifting. And I still enjoy uh, powerlifting, but not really involved in it anymore. Uh, although I do think it's a really great strength sport, uh, all strength sports, whether it's powerlifting, weightlifting, uh, you know, even more functional fitness stuff like CrossFit, um, I, I think are all really benefit, uh, beneficial or useful forms of training, depending on what you want to do and what your goals are. But they're great communities regardless, if you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, all have their pros and cons, of course, and then uh, became a weightlifting coach and a strength and conditioning coach and then um, and a powerful coach in there as well for a bit. And then started sort of coaching online um, because I was like, well, I, I have to go around. Surely there's other people like me that um, different parts of the world. It's the 20th, 21st century now, sorry. And there's the <laughs> internet, like, you know, and I, and I do the same thing. So even though I do remote coaching, um, more focus for weightlifting and sort of strength conditioning. I myself have a, have a coach and she's in the US. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had her for almost three years now, uh, probably actually yeah, two and a half years now. Um, so, you know, I'm not just the kind of guy that, that sells a service. Like I, I, I walk the same walk that, you know, my potential clients. So I think you and me are very much similar on that. We like to yeah. make sure we're, we're not, you know, speaking BS and yeah. we actually do what we say we do and we can sure. actually relate and, and have that sort of, 
and especially, you know, in a world today, you know, where it's all Instagram, uh, take your shirt off, um, yeah. you know, um, wear a ladies wear a bikini, you know, and they just, as you, as you said, they just sell rubbish, you know, um, yeah. you know, cookie cutter um, stock standard programs for everyone, every man and his dog, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, know? Um, you know, you don't even need to have any credentials or qualifications to get a big following on Instagram. And then a lot of people can mistake someone who they might go, this person looks like how I want to look look physically appealing as a man or a woman or whatever, or that person has abs. They obviously know what they're doing. Yeah. I'll pay them money, but you know, it's just, it's really murky out there. You could be signing up for someone with no actual qualifications, experience or credentials. They just have good genetics or the other thing is they know which drugs to take. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a spicy area. That's not all coaches, but there is a segment of sort of bodybuilding sadly that, they won't admit it, but they're doing that. And I'm not having a go at anyone for doping or anything like that. But um, <laughs> there, are, there are people that sell a market themselves as fitness coaches that for sure. just take in juice and, and they, they can't spell. You know right. I mean? And and it's, it's 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 really unfortunate because I know a lot of um you know other other coaches right that don't have six packs that really struggle yep. struggle in the industry but fuck they are super knowledgeable and I would go to them yep. every day of the week for a, a program but you know they don't have a six pack and you know they struggle to promote themselves in a world yep. that is all um, no shirts on and bikinis you know on Instagram for instance. Yep. It's tough, and some people are great at marketing, and they're shit as coaches. And there mm-hmm. are some coaches who are also shit at marketing, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, um, for sure. Um, yeah. There's also some great coaches out there that are good at marketing too. So that they're, you know, there's some yeah. of them, are, uh, and that are doing well. But um, yep. yeah, and like the whole fitness industry is very murky. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some great people out there, and there's also a shitload of charlatans, and it is really hard to sort of separate the. Uh, the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Um, I, so if anything, you know, like we, we would uh, encourage everyone to, to do their research, you know, spend definitely. a bit, spend a bit of time, get to know them, um, you know, jump on podcasts like, like this, you know, listen to them mm-hmm. and, and just make sure that um, they're genuine, you know, and the right yeah. fit for you at your, um, we'll talk about, you know, what people's goals are, but the right fit for yeah. you and, and your goals at that particular time in life, you know, um, you know, so that's, you know, if anything, you know, in that, like you said, yeah. to, to sort of move on from that, cause I don't want to get all too dark on the industry straight oh, yeah. up. <laughs> also, that's some great stuff on Instagram. Get me wrong. I'm addicted. I have multiple Instagram accounts. I love yep. it. Yep. Uh, but you know, when you put it new to it, it's easy to, to mix these things up. Yeah, for sure. Mate, um, I suppose, you know, let's, let's talk about, um, I've watched uh, your video and a blog post that you've recently, uh, you put together on your, on your website, um, you know, a logical approach to, uh, to training. So someone's brand new, yeah. Um, mm. or, or, you know, hasn't trained since their, their football days or their, you know, their hockey days some time ago, had kids, etc. Now, um, they've hit their, you know, late thirties and uh, looking to get back into a fitness training program. Um, talk to us about, um, you know, your video and your acronyms and, and what you've put together um, and advice you would give to someone uh, around that. Yeah, definitely. And part of this sort of comes from experience in the military doing tactical and operational planning. Mm-hmm. Um, the process I speak about is called Kaizen, which is a, a Japanese concept, which has sort of been refined and it's a, a cyclical approach, but an idea of um, being in the military is really handy is like we do a lot of planning, a large scale planning for outcomes and we're very much objectives focused. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of working out 
what we want to do first. Um, it's very typical of military planning to work out what is the end state you want to get to. You, you know where you are now, you know where you want to be in the future. Mm -hmm. Cool. Work that out first as you sort of frame and then work out the steps to get to the end state and work backwards. Um, and that's sort of the, the gist of it. And it's and the specific uh, sort of acronym I use was uh, plan, check, um, plan, check, do, assess. Uh, and there's a few other iterations I've seen of that, which, you know, one of those like strategize, um, execute. Uh, yeah, something similar. <laughs> I don't remember what it is, but I've seen it adapted a few ways. But the idea is just to apply logic. And um, I think we can easily get confused with sort of programs that look sexy or exercises that look sexy. Mm -hmm. and, and or we see people that look sexy doing them and we equate that to be, oh, that's, that's how I train, that's what I need to do. And it's like, well, actually, the, the training principles are somewhat simple. Um, there's actually a million ways to sort of to find a workable solution. And it's hard when it comes to your own training, especially I think to be objective, but if we're training for an outcome, then we should define what that outcome is first um, and then use basically a system of, um, uh, of trial and error, like bring in an intervention, we'd say like in, in health mm -hmm. sort of language, mm -hmm. you know, I want this outcome. I'm going to bring in this intervention. I'll do that intervention for a period of time, give it enough time to actually have an effect. Mm -hmm. And then objectively look at it and go, did it actually work? Did it lead to an improvement? Yep. And try and separate that sort of subjective and emotive uh, part, which you, you can never fully do, right? But um, mm -hmm. it's just having a, a sort of logical framework with designing and organizing your training and even selecting your training can be really handy. Even when you're finding a coach, like yep. you're paying them to get an outcome typically. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can just evaluate in an objective manner. You're paying them whatever the amount is. Like, are you getting what you want out of them? Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to forget that. And a lot of time, you know, I've worked in a gym as well. And a lot of the time you sort of rely when you're um, working in some of the fitness related industries is, is relationships and relationships are important. And that can be a very good reason to have a good go coach because you have a good working relationship with them. But at the same time, like, you're not paying them to be your friend or your enemy. Yep. You're, you're hopefully paying them to, to help you get to a destination. That's right. Uh, and that was sort of just the, the gist. That's probably a bit like, uh, <laughs> a bit crazy, but now I explained it. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I said, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, like um, for someone that is just, you know, like starting out for sure, you know, we're not going to run a marathon on our first day, you know? Exactly. You know, and, um, and we'll talk about, um, you know, some adaptations and stuff like that. It's shortly, but you know, um, if you're, you know, let's just have a look at, you know, one of my chosen sports, say for instance, um, you know, Candy Cross or, or Bike Jaw, you know, a lot of the time distance, let's talk Candy Cross, Candy Cross uh, can be on, on average 5Ks, you know, and um, you know, there's a, a very, very good athlete in the UK called Ben Robinson. He's running that with his dog, uh, 5Ks in, I think it was 12 minutes, 28, you know, I, I may be incorrect on that exact time, but, you know, super, super quick with his dog, you know, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we don't do that on our first time. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's a great 5k time <laughs> with or without a dog, right? Um, I'd be over the moon if I could run 12, sorry, five kilometers in 12 minutes. I, yeah. I'd be... <laughs> well, my first goal was 5k's in uh, 20 minutes, you know, 4k, you know, 4k minutes, you know? I'm just happy um, to do 5k's. 
Yeah, for sure. Exactly right. So, you know, if you're happy to do 5K, let's just say, yeah, you know, you haven't done any any training, you know, and your first goal, you know, or, you know, is to that 5K mark, you know, we're not going to get out and, you know, to hit that week one, you know, day one, week one, you know. So, you know, we want to make sure that, um, you know, well, you know, that cardio base, but we need to also add in, you know, some strength base and make sure we're injured, you know, we're going to be preventing injuries and stuff like that. So let's, uh, let's model it out just quickly. You know, like, um, you know, we, for me and uh, get your thoughts on it as well. We're going to need some time. You know, we've been a couch potato for years. You know, we've maybe had yep. children or we're, you know, for us, for us lads, you know, we go to work, but when we sink a dozen beers after work each day, you know, or at the end of the week, you know, so we've got to have those, um, you know, specific outcomes or, or, you know, goals, if you want to, you know, you know, yep. sort of band, you know, put a, a word to get to it. Um, you know, we're going to need some time to get up and running. So, you know, let's, you know, in your words, you know, what, um, you know, let's talk about, I suppose, getting prepared pre-work or, you know, preparation um, to get to 5Ks, you know, what sort of would, would we we'd be looking at, you know, um, both from a strength and conditioning world, you know? That's mm, uh, a, a great thing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a really good point. I think, I think people, you know, I said, like, we're objective focused, we're after an outcome. People can easily just sort of get focused on that objective, but... The flip side of the coin is we didn't know what our start state is, where we're at now. Yep. And, and, you know, if you, you haven't done any exercise or you're, even if you have done a lot of exercise, but you're into something new, you, you have to make the assumption that, you know, you're back to square one. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, what does square one look like? It's like, well, it, it varies by person. So I think the most useful thing we can actually do right at the start, or two useful things, um, is to, the first one is to do some type of testing just to get a benchmark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to vary by the person, your experience, your background, that kind of stuff. And that's why a coach can be really handy. They can help design and choose the sort of best benchmark test. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're a good coach, they're not, you know, it doesn't come with judgment either. Mm -hmm. And um, good coaches, in my mind, don't judge you for your current level of fitness performance. It's, you're paying them to help you get better. But they need to know where you are now. Like, I have to do that sampling. Mm -hmm. um, and that'd be the first thing. So if you haven't ran or done any sort of cardio-based exercise, I'd be curious to see like, you know, something even like a maximum distance run and walk slash run, or even just walk in 10 minutes mm -hmm. um, at whatever pace you're comfortable with. And then if you know, you can you can get maybe a K or even two Ks and you go, okay, sweet. Um, let's maybe um, up that a little bit longer, or maybe we do something like uh, a 20 or 30 sort of minute test, or we let you go, hey, let's do a 5K test for running and walking, just see how long it takes you yeah but you just have to sort of um weigh up how relevant that specific type of testing is for you currently because pardon me i just had a uh, one of my favorite drinks of sugar-free cream <laughs> yeah i think with burby um but yeah so you know having a a realistic and being realistic i think is really important with some mm -hmm. sort of benchmarking assessment and that, and that just you know as upsetting it might be for people who are especially if you've had some sort of training history and background, you stopped. It can be a bit devastating when you're like, shit, you know, I used to be able to do X, Y, and Z 10, 15, 20 years ago. We have to just take that and just, just throw it out, right? Yep. Um, we have to start anew and we have to not um, sort of judge ourselves on, on previous performance and previous abilities because life was different then, different set of circumstances. Once you have kids, you know, you work, life, like, you sort of change as a person and letting go of that's really important. The other thing um, I think is really important um, is 
working out how much time you can realistically commit per week, right? And that's a very much a under the assumption that you sort of like do a normal working week, people that sort of might do fly in, fly out work or work different shifts. You know, I got a, a guy who does an eight day work week. Yep. Um, so he does, you know, I'll work around an eight day cycle for his training as opposed to a seven day cycle like most people would, because that fits into when he's on shift and day shift, night shift, that kind of stuff a lot yep. better mm-hmm. is um, working out how much time you realistically have. And, and what I think is hard again for a lot of people when they want to get back into something, they get really motivated and it's, it's not even motivating. Motivation is not bad. It's like they get really enthusiastic yep. and they set their expectations too high. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to being realistic. They go, yep, you know, I'm, I'm really driven. I'm really enthusiastic. I really want to get in this. I want to do really well. I'm going to train six or seven days a week. Yep. And uh, that first session, you know, they're, they, they're can't all walk. <laughs> they can't walk after three days. <laughs> exactly. Two or three days in and, yeah. and boom, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. the ass is falling out because they're just bitten off too much. And again, you know, we talked about it. It's like mm-hmm. being realistic. You know, uh, progress is progress, I guess, really is the big thing here. Like yep. just finding the time that you can realistically commit. And, you know, even with online coaching, I saw it heaps of times that I have people um, who are really keen. The big thing is like how many days a week can you train? How long can you train for realistically? Like factor in a bit of fudge. Make sure your whole life isn't just training. Like, yep. you know, yep. family, work, stress, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think timetabling and doing something is always better than nothing. So if you only train once a week, that's fine. Just yeah getting a habit of doing once a week for 30 minutes that, that that is a step in the right direction because it's a it's infinitely better than zero minutes zero times a week right yeah, for sure and and you know just on that look we laugh and joke but i've been there and done that you know what i mean i have you know i've had two, a year off and then i go to cross i went to you know previous experience went to crossfit and i'm not walking after a, you know after two days because i've just gone oh yeah it's all good i'll get back to where i was no way mate <laughs> you know um so i laugh and joke but um you know because i've been there you know and a lot of people have been there and done that you know um you know so um you know I was reading an article again this morning from uh, strong first and we talk about sometimes less is more, you know, and um, you know, I just had to reiterate that to myself sometimes, you know, um, you know, and less is more, you know, so uh, get, make sure you get your recovery in and you, you know, and you're feeling great. You know, if it, if you finish on a, um, you know, you finish where you feel you could do extra all good, walk away, go home, do come back tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 you know, training and all types of training, really, like if you want to use like a sporting analogy, it's, yep. it's a marathon, right? Yep. It's always a marathon. Training itself is a very long-term commitment. And, it's, you know, martial arts, you don't expect to be a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. in a year. Everyone knows it's unrealistic. You know, it takes commitment. It's going to take so many years. You know, you'll be a white belt. You get a stripe. You get another stripe. You get another stripe. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you might get the blue belt. And then it just keeps going, right? And purple and brown and black. It's like at least a 10-year investment, right? For sure. Think of training the same way. Yep. Um, we're not going to be at that high level. Um, we just got to ease into it, get comfortable, mm-hmm. build it up over time. And if we treat it more like a marathon and a long-term play or a long uh, long gap. That's where we really reap all the benefits. For sure. um, yeah. And, and, you know, like, um, you know, in, in a world that um, in the last probably, I don't know, let's say three to five that has been so focused on, uh, you know, let's just say uh, high intensity session, uh, high intensity yeah. classes that, um, 
you know, that people go to day in, day out, um, you know, uh, comparing that to the world that we live in today, you know, and, um, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, obviously COVID, a lot of the countries around the world have been in some lockdown, some shape or form, they're in lockdown. Um, having a, an individual coach that um, can program for you at, um, you know, and support you along your journey is super important. You know, so I think the, the whole world's going to change, you know, if it already hasn't, you know, and um, I know that uh, you've been doing a bit of content around um, helping people set up the ideal, you know, home gyms in their garage, in their sheds, if if you want to be Aussie, you know, um, yep. you know, let's, uh, let's talk about the, I suppose the change of environment, what you've seen obviously over the, you know, um, the lockdown or the COVID days in the last number of months to, um, people transitioning to finding a, a coach that they can, they get, you know, a genuine coach, you know, that, um, helps them with their goals and looking to work out from home and, and potentially let's, you know, once we do that, we'll li I'll get you to list off five essentials that you feel that someone would be able to get um, in, their, in their home gym and make some awesome strength and, and cardio based gains. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk. That's a long winded question, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I have to say, like I, I have a home gym, um, mm -hmm. and I've had one for about ten years, right? Yep. Um, but uh, my motivation to, to have a home gym came not from COVID, obviously. There was no COVID ten years ago. There were, there were coronaviruses, but not, not, not the novel one we are uh, dealing with right now. <laughs> That's right. Um, it actually came from work. So being in the military, you know, have access to like bases on, on sorry, gyms on base, mm -hmm. and um, which aren't 24 hours. And then when you work long hours at the time, I lived uh, in Victoria. My, my house was a 45-minute drive from work. So... To be up earlier than usual in the drive or carpool in the morning, and then once work was done, knowing I had a 45 minute drive, um, I wasn't in a position to do sort of extra gym work or strength work that I wanted to do at the work gym. And uh, there was no sort of like um, commercial gym near me either. Um, so I was like, well, I want to, I want to do squats, I want to do strength work. What am I going to do? And then I just went, oh, I'll just buy a barbell. And I bought some weights and then I bought a squat rack and then it just grew from there. Um, and my, my home gym sort of changed over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've wasted money on it in all honesty, buying things I didn't need or thinking things were like really useful. Other times I bought things that were useful at the time, which aren't useful now. So I've sold them, uh, but I'm now at a point where it's, um, I, I think it's got the right balance. Um, it has a bit of flexibility in there. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, and then, of course, you know, fast forward 10 years later and then coronavirus comes about and then, you know, lockdowns are happening and it's varying by states in Australia and across the world. But then suddenly commercial gyms um, are scaling back drastically, having their hours reduced um, and then suddenly snap, you know, or bang, there goes the hammer, closed. Yep. Um, and that was a shock. Um and I'm sure some gyms like, you know, went under during this time. I was aware of one in Brisbane that did that, that right at the start was selling equipment like hotcakes and a few others that sold equipment like hotcakes to, um, yep. um, to try and keep themselves afloat. Um, then of course, like uh, the job 
Jeeper payment, I think, came in, and yep. then uh, that kept a whole bunch of gyms like going again, so they could actually maintain staff and, and still operate. And they've reopened um, now. So I haven't been in a commercial gym for a long time, uh, but I have been watching um, and just interested to see um, the changes in hygiene, all that kind of stuff, and in control. Like I'm probably I've got a better take on how Bunnings and how it's changed. <laughs> exactly. That's true. When I go to buy wood, to make uh, changes to mine. Uh, you can't um, get, you couldn't get a snag there for a while, you know. Heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, right? I know. Um, but um, and like I, I was lucky, and I don't want to be a dick, but mm -hmm. you know, ten years ago, I had the obstacles I had, and then I invested money, and I had people tell me, you know, up until as, as you know, as late as last year, the start of this year. I can't yep. believe you spent that much money on a gym. What do you need a gym for? A mm -hmm. home gym. Yep. People I, I, live, I live nearby on the Gold Coast telling me that they've got an apartment right across the road from the gym. I'm just like, mate, just get a barbell, like just in case. Yeah, yeah. You never know. It's yep. really handy. Yep. Then um, suddenly these people had no equipment. And then uh, I had everything I needed and I was used to training. So mm. I didn't have to scramble to buy gym equipment, luckily. Um, and I felt sorry for the people that did. Like I, I really did. And it was Secondhand, but. A second-hand barbell for uh, two thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, all that you know, like just price gouging, um, and then a whole bunch of people who like had, had had you know, and gyms are more than just things you do for physical fitness, right? I know yep. people train for different reasons. Sometimes yep. it's for for mental health. Um, sometimes it's just a thing they like to do for social aspects. You know, a whole bunch of reasons to train just had this thing removed from their their life violently. Yep, and then they're suddenly in my world, which is like. You know, yeah. Facebook Marketplace is where I buy a lot of gym gear. You yeah. know, when I find like, deals, and then a whole bunch of people are just like looking to make a quick buck, right? Sure. Probably because they're stressed. Some of them are just opportunistic. Other people are also out of work and they need money. Yep. So it's a complex environment. Um, I think it's settled down now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see any obscene things as much as I used to, but at the same time, I, I don't see any awesome bargains. Like yeah, used to it. A For whole sure. bunch of it got pulled up. Yep. Then, of course, the other complicating factor is whether people understood it or not, most of the gym equipment produced in the world comes out of a couple of factories in China. Yep. So when uh, a whole bunch of things, like doesn't matter what brand, you're talking like Rogue Fitness, like their, their plates, like they're made in China. Yep. Sarah Lico's, Sarah, a whole bunch of big brands, so much a whole bunch of cheap brands, right? There's a couple of factories in China that make a whole bunch. Yep. International trade was reduced, air transit gone, even sea transit or maritime transit's reduced as well. So then the availability of gym equipment that we used to have was, was reduced and then the demand for it was increased drastically. Mm -hmm. yep. And that then led to that sort of situation, I think, with the, the price gouging. Yep, for sure. Um, I'm still yet to meet someone who actually paid like a ridiculous price yeah, for yeah. those things. I saw them advertised, but I don't know anyone who actually bought it. No, I agree. Uh, yeah, I haven't. I haven't either. <laughs> I just shake yeah. my head. Just shake my head. <laughs> but uh, yep. the good thing is, uh, when all this went down, I um, I um, I had a lot of people reach out. A few mm -hmm. people. A lot. Yep. It depends what you define a lot of. Just reach out, and even now, I still get people asking me tips and advice on you know what brands to get. You know, and they see deals, and I give pretty blunt advice. Yep. Um, which. You know, a lot of people like wanted to spend a lot of money on gym equipment, like in, mm -hmm. in the middle or at the start of COVID. I was like, look, it's a bad time to spend that much money. Mm -hmm. Just just get what you need to get you through. Yep. Um, and then again, it comes back to that sort of motivation and um, buying off more than you can chew. 
Sure. People are like, Shit, I don't have a gym. I need the best home gym in my house right now. That's right. They just go to Rogue and they just buy 20 grand's worth of equipment for their home gym. <laughs> and it's like without even going, do you, why do you train? Do yep. you need intrinsic motivation? Do you do it for social factors? You know, mm-hmm. do you go, do you train with a buddy? Like, you, is your is your home a suitable environment where you don't have any external things like partner, children, work or other commitments? Because, you know, time's important and sometimes being able to go to a gym to do it, that physical separation allows you that sort of opportunity to train when you do it in your house. Sometimes, you know, with your family, that, that's not the same. You know, your husband or wife might be like, hey, why aren't you helping out with the kids? Why aren't you doing this? And they might recognise why you go to the gym or how important it is or whatever. Yep. I don't want to get into that too much, but mm-hmm. it's a challenge, is I guess what I'm saying. And um, yep. I think a lot of people yep. found that they actually just fucking hate training at home. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, look I, look, I have my days, you know, like uh, definitely it's, have, it's, have my days. It's not for everyone. And I have to admit, like, uh, I think in one of my articles, I was like, full disclosure, this is not for everyone. Like, It, it is for me. It mm-hmm. suits my personality. It suits my training and weightlifting. Um, I, I like being alone. I don't like talking to people when I train. I like sometimes training without my shirt on, yep. putting weird music on. Uh, my dogs actually are in there with me, but for sure. So, um, so you know, obviously, you know, as you just mentioned, so it's, not, it's look, training at home is not for everybody. However, you know, a lot of people are being pushed into that scenario right now. You know. Yeah. And they're like, shit, I, I can't go to the gym. If you're in Melbourne, you can't even go five kilometers from your house, right? You know, yep. so um, let's, you know, let's sort of move forward. And uh, obviously it's going to be, this is a very open-ended question, but you know, your five, no. you know, your five pieces of equipment to buy for home in a garage, in a, in a shed to get people um, moving along in the right direction. You know, um, I've got mine, which may totally be different to yours. Yeah. Um, but uh, fire away, you know, um, for, you know, and, and let us, uh, you know, let us see what you got. Yeah. So, and, and I come from a bias, I have my own bias. I'm into yeah. weightlifting, AKA Olympic weightlifting as most people would call it. Yep. I've got a background in strength sports, but you know, for me, like, the most important thing you can buy for a home gym is just mm-hmm. a good quality barbell or just a barbell, right? Um, preferably one that has Olympic size sleeves on the end. So 50 mil, not the small standard mil, oh, sorry, standard size. Um, the ones with that, the ends that spin neatly. Uh, I think the barbell is, whilst it can be intimidating to people, um, it just presents so much flexibility in what you can do with that one piece of equipment as opposed to machines and you know notwithstanding how useful things like kettlebells and dumbbells are but the best thing about a barbell is you can just load it with more weight right yep once you can pick it up without any weight you just get more weight when you get better and you just keep adding weight and you can do so much with it right Um, it doesn't just have to be pure strength work you can do strength endurance you can actually do some sort of more aerobic work if you're into that Uh, but barbells right it's just One of the most useful, probably the most useful gym implement I can think of. Sure. Uh, and then the second thing, like, mm-hmm. you need weights to go on that barbell. Yep. Um, and it's going to vary on, you know, your sort of your starting strength levels, um, where you're at now, what your budget is. You know, brands don't matter. Colors don't matter. Um, if it fits on the barbell, you know, weight is weight at the end of the day. Yep. Um, and it lets you incrementally load and overload an exercise, whether it's squatting, deadlifting, benching, pressing, snatching cleaning lunging rowing even doing curls you can load it yep. um 
so yeah, number two is plates. Yep. Uh, number three, I'd say, is some type of flooring, and this is easy to forget or neglect, and that can be just you know, the perfect world is a sort of 15 mil rubber mats that come in like a one meter by one meter uh, size. They're great, yep. uh, but again, they're, they're rare as hen's teeth right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is just wood, like 15, 16, 17 millimeter MDF that you can get cut at Bunnings for free into, you know, like a two meter by one meter piece, put two of them together and you've got like a small little platform, um, but just having an area, some type of flooring to protect the bar and plates and whatever the surface of what you're lifting on, whether it's concrete or if you set up your home gym in your kitchen yep. or your dining room, just having some intermediate surface that, that isn't concrete or isn't carpet or yep. isn't grass and dirt that's, that's firm and solid, rubber mats, wood, perfect. Yep. And people just forget about flooring. It's like the last thing they think yeah, yeah. about and there's yep. no flooring left. Um, and people that are obsessed with rubber, rubber's great. Wood's also great too, right? Yep. And it's cheaper, cheaper by the meter. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing, uh, so they're like the big three and that just, you know, just with the bar, a weight and some type of flooring, you can do yep. so much. It's just knowing how to use it. For sure. And then after that is um, number four, I'd say is um, squat stands. Um, they're very similar to a sort of, similar sort of use as a squat rack. Mm-hmm. A squat rack is like the perfect number four, but right now, one, they're expensive, they're yep. big, they're bulky, they may not fit in your garage, uh, whereas squat stands are a lot smaller, uh, manoeuvrable, and most importantly, they're a lot cheaper. So bang for buck, and they let you elevate a barbell to various heights, which means you don't have to pick it up from the floor, which then gives you even more exercises. So things like you can do heavy bench presses, you can do heavy seated presses, you can do heavy squats, right? Because you can do light squats without squat racks, mm-hmm. uh, but you need something to prop up the bar um, when when you get stronger, basically. And believe it or not, like squat stands were only invented in like the 1930s. People were squatting well before that with yeah, barbells, yeah. Yeah. heavy as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's a whole other podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> then, then a fifth thing I'd um. I'd, I'd say it really depends on what your goals are, but you know, mm-hmm. I'd go maybe like a flat bench should be really handy. It doesn't need to be an adjustable bench, but a solid mm-hmm. sturdy flat bench gives you a lot more flexibility, especially if you want to do things like bench press or you need to do exercises like bench press in your program, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's got a big asterisk next to it, right? Yep. If bench press, which may or may not be useful. If it's not useful, don't even worry about it. Yep. If you're like, what's a bench press or do I need to do a bench press? The answer is no. For sure. Um, yeah. And in that case, you know, number five might be just like some more, uh, getting some kettlebells or some dumbbells. Yeah. Just one or two. Yeah. Uh, and that just gives you then a bunch of versatility in your exercises. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my top five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, can well, we're going to wrap things up, mate. We've been going for a little bit, and I appreciate certainly appreciate your time. Um, so, uh, where can our, our listeners um, find out a little bit more about you, or they uh, want to you know want to uh, chat some uh, some more about um, remote coaching and getting their gym set up at home, and you know uh, whereabouts can the uh, the listeners uh, find you, mate? Yeah, definitely. Hey, um, easiest way is uh, probably Instagram. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, my handle is just Arc Remote Coaching is my business page. And then yeah. you can just follow me. I'm just Pete Tarling, just my whole name. Um, no dots around it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have a business page on Facebook again, just Arc Remote Coaching. Mm-hmm. And also have a YouTube channel, also Sweet. called Arc Remote Coaching. <laughs> and, and lastly, of course, I have a website, which is just yeah. arcremotecoaching.com. 
-hmm. And there's some articles in there. You can get in contact with me there. Uh, but honestly, like, you, you know, I think you can buy like thumb tape for your thumbs if you're into that. Um, <laughs> shirts, whatever. Uh, but yeah. And, and, I, and honestly, like, if, if you need some tips on setting up a home gym and all that, like, I'm more than happy to give you advice just for free. Just mm -hmm. send me a DM on Instagram and, like, I'm more than happy to help anyone out. Um, I, I know it's a tough time right now. Um, and, and a lot of people aren't comfortable and, and don't know what to do. Um, so, Anyway, yeah. if you send me a DM, you know I'll write back. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you very much once again for uh, taking the time to, to chat, mate. Um, for, our, for our listeners, um, if you've liked what you heard tonight, um, please like, share, subscribe to the podcast, and we will uh, produ start producing more great content. Thanks again, Pete, for uh, the great chat. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.